Happy Wednesday, my missional community leaders. I am sorry that uh, I'm late uh, this week getting this podcast to you. Uh, it has definitely been it's definitely been a crazy week, and uh, I know that everybody's feeling it and everybody's uh, responding differently. Uh, Polly, I know, is really in the midst of everything, um, being in the uh, superintendent's office there in Flint. Uh, just, just loads of stuff happening and, uh, whew, yeah, there's, there's just a lot going on, my friends. Um, so, uh, today, uh, we, today we're going to wrap up, uh, first John. And, uh, so this, this coming Sunday, the 22nd will be our final, uh, our final installation of first John, um, the 29th was supposed to be a week off. We won't be doing that. Uh, we will, uh, we will, uh, probably, I'll probably start some, uh, uh, moving towards Easter, some passion, passion week kind of stuff. And, um, and then, uh, the 29th or the week after the 29th was that April 5th, um, is Palm Sunday and then April 12th is Easter. So, uh, we don't know where we're going to be uh, when it comes to uh, Palm Sunday and Easter. Uh, we we really just have no idea, um, you know, what what the world is going to look like, and so we will flex and obey, um, and we will trust in faith uh, and see see where where the future has us. Um, but this is this is dangerous, dangerous stuff, and it's it's not a joke, and it's not something that any of us should be taking lightly. Uh, we don't need to be panicking, uh, but we also uh, need to take the uh, spread of the coronavirus very seriously and um, how we can protect our neighbors and protect ourselves um, so that so that we can love well and honor Christ in, in how, we, how we go about uh, living life. Uh, so as far as announcements go, please be watching... Uh, a couple of Facebook pages uh, for Doubt on Tap information. You can either watch the Simple Theologian page or the Doubt on Tap page. It's facebook.com slash simple theologian, facebook.com slash doubt on tap. Uh, those pages will give you uh, the events uh, each Tuesday night. Right now we are doing Google Hangouts for those. Last night we had our first, our first Google Hangout uh, for Doubt on Tap and it worked really well. Uh, we had good conversation. We had a lot of laughs, and uh, yeah, it was it was good. Um, as you guys all know and experienced, uh, this past Sunday we also did our missional communities via Google Hangout. It was great to have everybody on board. See uh, see everybody from uh, Ypsilanti and Fowlerville on there, and uh, hopefully we'll see some Flint folks here moving forward. And uh, it's yeah, it's not perfect. It's not ideal. I miss I really miss meeting with with everybody i miss i miss being with you guys uh there just seems to be a um i don't know there's just a hole a hole in my heart uh from not you know not getting to experience a, a full house and the the energy uh from from just being present with with all of you whether it's sunday mornings in flint or uh sunday evenings in ypsilanti or fowlerville and uh yeah I, I miss i miss you guys i miss miss being present with you miss being able to uh 
you know, give you guys a hug and that kind of thing. So for this extrovert, uh, this has been, this continues to be a, a difficult season. So uh, while I'm, I'm leaning personally, I'm leaning into uh, the digital means to, to connect that we have. And, uh, and yet it is definitely not a replacement for uh, the embodied presence of, of friends. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. Would love to, you know, if you need to, if you need to talk, if you need to reach out, please don't hesitate. Uh, whether that's via, you know, through a phone call or FaceTime or uh, a Google Hangout or, or whatever, uh, I am I am available, uh, especially especially to you, my missional community leaders. Uh, I'm curious to know from you uh, what are the things that you're finding are hard uh, with your missional communities uh, as you're leading through this and uh, what do you feel like uh, would be helpful um, helpful to receive from me as you are seeking to lead through this uh, so please please let me know that uh, hit me up you know you can pop things out in our missional community telegram uh, group that would be great and uh, and yeah we will we will go from there. Um, so this week, uh, this week our passage is First John five uh, six through twenty one. That is uh, fifteen verses. We're gonna wrap up uh, wrap up our study here of the book of First John. And as has been our uh, custom, I will I'll read the passage. It says. Uh, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater, because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar, because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There's a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come, and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. All right. Um, so... I'm, I've been wrestling uh, a little bit here with the fallen condition focus and Christ's redemptive purpose uh, for this passage, and um, and I think uh, probably where I'm where I'm landing 
is something along the lines of uh, we we forget we forget who Christ is um, or we not so much that we forget who Christ is but but yeah I mean I guess in some sense we forget who he is and, and maybe we begin to think that he is a um, that he is a myth that he's some mystical creature uh, that he's that he's a almost like a fairy tale, right? Um, so we we forget we forget who Christ is, uh, and uh, and yet the redempt Christ's redemptive purpose in that is Christ Christ reminds us that he is real, that joy is real, the joy of our salvation is real, and I think that's the message big idea is uh, that joy is real. We come right back to the very beginning here, right, of of 1 John. Uh, you know, we write this to make our joy complete. That is that is what's going on here. And uh, how, do we, how do we ultimately come to a complete joy? We come to a complete joy in the knowledge, in the belief that Jesus is who he said he was and that Jesus is, that Jesus is real. Now, uh, the way that John closes this this letter out is he gives three witnesses, and then he gives uh, assurance and affirmations. So uh, first, he provides us with three witnesses. Why why should we believe? Why should we believe in the Son of God? Um, well, John is going to provide us. Uh, he's going to provide us this these grounds here. Uh, to trust and believe in the reality of who Jesus is. And he gives us three witnesses, the spirit, the water, and the blood. Um, you know, remember John's opponents, uh, the, the people, the false teachings that John was writing against, uh, was argue, they, they argued that Jesus was not the Christ, right? That the Christ and Jesus were two separate identities. The Christ is spiritual. Jesus is, is physical. Physical is bad. Physical is mortal. And uh, the spiritual is real and good. And so they were separating those two things out. And John says, no, they're one, Christ Jesus, Jesus the Christ. He is, he, is a, he is a singular entity, and the witnesses to that are the Spirit, the water, and the blood. So the Holy Spirit testifies to the identity of Jesus as both man and God. Um, and, and John says, and, and he does this, the Spirit testifies because the Spirit is the truth. So, so we got that. Now we have this water and blood thing. So what is that about? Um, there's been a variety of different uh, interpretations of the water and the blood. Uh, some of it, uh, the water. Uh, one argument says that the water is uh, Jesus's physical birth from his mother, right? You know, the water breaks and babies are born. Um, and the blood is uh, pointing to Eucharist, to, to what's going on in the table, which... which uh, both those things, uh, may, maybe the water argument you could make. Uh, the problem with the problem with the blood uh, signifying the Lord's Supper is that the Lord's Supper is signifying the blood. So it kind of gets things kind of gets things backwards. So that that's largely uh, been been kind of pushed aside. Um, this a uh, second common. Uh, interpretation of water and blood is the water and blood that came out of Jesus when he was speared uh, by the Roman uh, at his crucifixion. It could be. 
uh, it, it's definitely fits uh, John's story, uh, yet that also seems thin at best. And uh, and so I think the the third major interpretation, the one that I would the one that I would lean into, um, is baptism and sacrifice. Uh, so the water here referring to uh, Jesus's baptism. John tells the story of his baptism, and he and he tells the story of the voice coming from heaven. This is my son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him, right? I mean, this is this is what we see. And uh, and and so John's. You know, so I think I think I think the water represents the baptism because it is pointing to God's testimony, God the Father's testimony about who God the Son is, that Jesus is the Christ. And then the second thing is uh, the blood being His sacrifice, His shed blood for the, for the atoning of our sins. And this has been the theme throughout. One of the key themes throughout this letter is that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice, not just for us but for the whole world. And so I think as we come come to this conclusion, uh, what John is pointing to is, uh, you know, he is pointing to a spiritual, ritual, and historical witnesses that point to Jesus' identity. So the spiritual uh, is, is the Holy Spirit, uh, kind of in a sense, testifying to our hearts. The ritual is, is the ritual of baptism, where he is... He is one who did not need to be baptized yet did so to fulfill all righteousness. And then you have the historical, uh, the hist- historical event of of his crucifixion and resurrection. Uh, these witnesses all point to Jesus's identity. So, in light of this, we can know um, with confidence that uh, that that if we believe, if we believe in the Son, uh, that we have eternal life because life is in the Son. And as he says here in verse 12, whoever has a son has life, whoever does not have a son of God does not have life. And so, so if, we can, if we can embrace this reality, this truth of who Jesus is, then we, we have life. And what is life? Life is ultimately uh, this, this fellowship with God and with one another. That's what we get to experience uh, because, because of who Jesus is. Now, uh, John, you know, Mr. No Gray Area himself has has pointed throughout this letter out of these black and white things, right? Belief, not belief, light, darkness, um, life, death, no in-betweens. And so John closes this letter with assurance. Um, beginning in, in 13, uh, verse 13 here in chapter 5, we get we get these assurances. So what does belief lead to? Well, it... it leads to life, number one. Um, right? I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. There's not to be any question here. Uh, this is not some secret knowledge. Remember, those who he was uh, kind of pushing against, the false teachers that he was wrestling with, uh, they, they believed in a secret knowledge so that you could then live any way you wanted. And throughout this letter, John has said, no, that's not, that's not the way this works. We are, to, we are to live, we are to be like Jesus in this life. And so, uh, we, and so we, we need to believe, and as we believe, uh, we can know with certainty that we have eternal life. We don't have to question that. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a clear clear statement here. And then verse 14, the second thing is that we can approach we can approach God in confidence uh, through prayer. And he says, anything that we ask according to his will, he hears us. Now, this is, this is an important caveat, uh, that, that as we pray, 
Uh, we can know that we have what we ha- ask if it is in accordance with God's will. That That's a very, very important caveat that John puts here. Um, so how do we know, how do we know that we are praying according to God's will? I don't know in, in everything uh, that we do, right? Um, some things... Some things maybe we can be more sure of than others. Um, but what we can do is we can we can approach we can approach the we can approach God in confidence and we can know based on Romans eight that even though we don't know how we ought to pray, the Holy Spirit is praying uh, on our behalf, right? And so as as we approach God, we approach him with confidence, we pray, we ask, um, those things that are according to his will, we can know with certainty that we will receive them. And, uh, and we can also know that as we pray, uh, the Holy Spirit is praying on our behalf, making our prayer effectual uh, by bringing the things that we ought to be praying for to the throne. Uh, so, uh, but John does give us, I think John gives us an example here of, of something that we know that we can ask for, uh, that we can boldly pray for, and that is, uh, beginning in verse 16, that we can we can pray and we can we can ask God to restore the broken. It says, if you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. Um, you know, th- this is this is interesting, right? Like, we don't we don't necessarily need to go and and challenge somebody. We don't need to go and say, hey, you're you're blowing this, man. You are you are sinning like crazy. You're sinning up a storm. No, we don't, we don't have to do that. Uh, what we what we need to do, John says, is we need to go and pray. We need to pray for them. We need to go before the Father and bring them to the to the throne room, and we can have confidence. We have confidence that He will restore them. Um. And yet, and, and then in this though, He also says He also says this one thing that's very weird. Um, He says, "I refer those refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death." <laughs> and I'm not saying you should pray about that. What? What? Like, where where did that come from? What is the sin that leads to death? Um, you know, what is what is this unforgivable sin? Well, we we know what that is. Uh, Matthew twelve twenty two through thirty seven, Jesus interacts with the Pharisees, and uh, and they accuse the work. They say that the work of the Holy Spirit uh, is being done by Beelzebub, and is being done by the devil, and uh, so. So that that has been termed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So when we, you know, a person who willfully, forcefully, intentionally, consciously basically sticks up their middle finger to to the Holy Spirit, um, and, and this this has to be. I mean, this is like. This is not done lightly, okay? This is a this is a very intentional um, an intentional act by somebody with clear, undeniable knowledge that this is the work of the Holy Spirit, and they basically say, "No, that's the devil." F you, Holy Spirit. That I mean, th- this this is how this is this is how uh, how. F- how significant this has to be, right? And uh, and Jesus says, "Yeah, someone who does that, uh, that's that's not going to be forgiven in this life or the next. That's that's tough stuff." 
That's tough stuff. Um, so then uh, we close this thing out with the affirmation in verses 18 through 21. And, uh, and it's a beautiful affirmation. And it, it starts with uh, this affirmation that anyone who's been born of God does not continue to sin. That is, that is they, can, they do not continue to live an intentional, conscious life of sin where they're, you know, intentionally, intentionally sinning. Uh, but with that, uh, God, God protects them. God keeps them safe. So this this goes to um, a theological idea called the perseverance of the saints, right? Or or uh, in the common the common vernacular, like once saved, always saved. Uh, this is just the idea that that people who have been born of God um, are are going to be protected and and they're going to be taken care of. Second, in verse nineteen, we have another we know we know that we are children of God. We know our identity. We know who we are. We are the children of God. This is who we are. This is our identity. And then third, we know uh, that uh, that the Son of God has come and He has given understanding. The Son of God has come and He has given understanding. And, and so, um, and what is what is this? What is this understanding? Well. So that we know that we are, that that we know Him. Because He's come, and He's given understanding, we we can embrace the truth and the reality that we know Him. Second, we embrace the truth that we are in Him, because we are in Christ, and because we are in Christ, uh, we have we have eternal life. So these are the things that we can absolutely know, uh, in light of in light of the Son of God coming. And then John wraps things up in verse 21 uh, with, with a command. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. And you consider, you consider the, um, the whole of this letter and his constant call to the real, to the real Christ, to the real, the real God, the real faith, the faith in the real one. Fully God, fully man, the Son, the Son of God, in the flesh, right? This is this is the call, and anything, any belief in anything other than than that, is a belief in idols. It is a belief in a counterfeit God, and, and John, John, at the end of the day, that is his greatest concern. We need to have belief in the true Son of God in the flesh, because as we do, then we can know joy, we can have fellowship with God and with others. And this, this is the end of the gospel, right? Fellowship with God, fellowship with one another, to love well. And we do that by belief in the Son of God in the flesh, the true, righteous, holy one, not, not the counterfeit God that is presented by the world. So, uh, my friends, that is First John. We've come full circle, and uh, we've come to the end of this. And I appreciate you guys uh, patiently and faithfully walking through uh, our study of First John. And uh, after Easter, we will get into our next series, uh, which will be uh, uh, songs and sayings. And uh, we're going to alternate each week. 
uh, one week with a psalm, one week with a proverb. And uh, we're going to kind of work through some of that together. So, uh, and that'll take us into the summer, uh, right up to kind of our summer break. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to looking forward to spending about 10 weeks or so in the Psalms and Proverbs with you guys. I know how much I love you, how much I'm praying for you, how much I desperately miss you. And uh, I will, I will see you online. Peace.